May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Amen. This is the day. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and the Israelites arrive in the promised land. They've followed Joshua, their new leader, across the Jordan River, just as they had followed Moses across the Red Sea. And when they get there, Joshua has them stop just inside the new land. And he has them do three things. He has them build a pile of 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, so that when their children ask, why are these stones here? They can tell them the story of their time in the wilderness. And then he has them celebrate the Passover, which is only the third time that they've celebrated it. First in Egypt, second in their first year in the wilderness, and then again, not until now. But every year after this, they will celebrate the Passover. And the third thing they have, Joshua has them do, is that because in the wilderness, none of the men and boys who were born there were circumcised, he has all of them gather, 600,000 men and boys, and has them circumcised. And it says they left a hill of foreskins in their wake. What a way to mark a transition. <laughs> you will be glad to know we will not be doing anything of the sort today. And I don't want us to over-relate to the Israelites. We are not coming out of the wilderness and we are not going into the promised land. But this is a transition in the life of our community, and to some extent for each of us in our own individual lives. And it's important to mark those life transitions with ritual. We do it in weddings, we do it in funerals, we do it at graduations, and we do it in the departure of a rector. These rituals honor our past and turns to the future when things will inevitably be different. The scripture text says that on this day in the life of the Israelites, the manna ceased. The food that fed them in the wilderness no longer is coming. But instead, they will feed on the crops of the new land. After 40 years, they are different people, quite literally in some cases. And they are ready for this new venture. But they are still God's people, and so much about them is still the same. One of the questions that's come up in the last few weeks, particularly among those of you who were here before I came, is have I, do I think the church changed? And that question wasn't about numbers or the building or different things we've done, but the character of the church. And in the last few weeks, I went back and looked at the profile of Christ Church that was made before I came in 2009 as part of that search. And I had to laugh when I read it because I had literally described Christ Church in some of the same ways to newcomers the week before. The church takes its work, liturgy, theology, ministry seriously, but it has perspective about itself. People are comfortable with experimenting, but not too much. <laughs> and the value of history and food-focused fellowship and community all still hold true. And while I do think some things have changed, I'm not sure they were changes or things that I just came to understand more fully the longer I've been here. Regardless, it's not you, I that will answer that question, but you. Not necessarily how you've changed, but who are you now? What 
feeds you and nourishes you? And where is God calling you forward as a congregation? In preparation for this sermon, I pulled out the sermon I preached on my installation on a Saturday morning in September nine years ago. And I'd like to think I've changed and grown a lot in the past years, but most of my major themes of sermons were still there in that text. The gospel, the good news of Christ, will sometimes be challenging and sometimes be comforting and sometimes be confusing, but it's always an invitation to conversation. And prayer is a significant part of that conversation, and it is core to this whole God thing we do together. And as a community, we bring our gifts, and God knits them together, and they become part of what God is doing in the world, even when we're aware of it, and even when we're not. In that sermon, I told you to only remember one thing, those who weren't there get a pass. <laughs> but I don't blame you if you don't remember, because I didn't repeat it very often after, but it formed the foundation of my leadership here. And that was this belief that the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Each faith community has the potential to be a place of transformation, and Christ Church is one of them. Most of the ministry of this church takes place beyond its walls. It takes place in the relationships you have out in the world with your neighbors and coworkers and family. It takes place in the work that you do every day of the week. It takes place in the issues that you commit yourself to and the community activities you're a part of, even in the places you choose to shop. That is where the ministry of the church happens. And it is my hope that this church has been a place that opens the space to reflect and connect your life to the greater faith story and cultivates your hearts and minds in a way that you can hear how and where God is speaking. There may be only 180 of you here most Sundays, but thousands of people's lives across the city are touched by you each week. And what you can do is the way the world will be transformed to be more like the one God intended, a place of justice and mercy and love for all people. Christchurch has been a place for transformation. It was before I came, and it will be after I go, but I want to share with you what I have seen because I have a bit of a unique perspective on that. Dozens of people have found their first church home as an adult here, and they've ranged in age from 22 to 70. They found a community they came to understand God more deeply and themselves in. And you welcomed them here and walked with them, even when you didn't know it. Dozens of people have experienced cancer or terminal diagnosis or the loss of a loved one, have struggled with depression, struggled with infertility, job loss, and so much more and you shared the good news with them. They are not alone, and that they are more than the struggle they have in this moment. And you did that in ways you weren't even aware of. More than 100 children have found their place in the communion circle. 
the welcome of the cookies and orange juice in the parish hall. They've been infused with the stories of scripture and been reminded each week that God is love and there will always be a place for them in that love. Knowing the stories in your family tree is one important part of helping people become more resilient and you have become more resilient in your faith by listening and sharing the stories of your faith with one another. Some did it as part of the This I Believe small group series we did twice over my time here. Some of you were here when uh, Serena as a seminarian did interviews as part of our Sunday worship with people about their faith and life experiences. Some of you have heard or participated in the lay preacher program. And over 50 of you have participated in a small group here where part of is to share your stories and to take the threads of faith that weave through them. It is easy to identify the visible transformation this church has undergone, the increased membership, the budget, the new organ, the parish hall, but it's the invisible transformations in each of you that are lived out in each day of your life, sometimes with your knowledge and sometimes not. It's through those transformations that Christ Church is part of the hope of the world. This church has also been a place of transformation for me. As one congregant reminded me, you were a baby priest when you came here. (laughs) And another chimed in, but you sure didn't act like it. (laughs) I have never lacked the ability to exude confidence. I relied on intuition and a little prayer in those early days and a congregation that gave me a lot of latitude and kept their skepticism to a low gurgle. Today I rely a lot more on prayer and a trust in you, my partners in ministry. I've learned to trust your participation and your constructive feedback and your perspective and your openness that God may be up to something and may not be. So hold things lightly. I've learned to live with disappointing people and being disappointed by people knowing that's just part of living in community over the long haul, and that God finds a way to heal those disappointments at the altar. My comfort here has given me the room to experiment and to go deeper spiritually in so many ways, and you have journeyed and sometimes tolerated me in that. Over the past few weeks, I've been overwhelmed by your notes and words of the impact my ministry here has had on you. They have been touching each on their own, but as a whole, they have left me in awe of this call to ministry and humbled by what God can do when you say yes. You have met my hope of what a church could be. It has been one of the highlights of my life to be your priest. Next week, the Reverend Canon Paula Clark will be here from the diocese to map out for you the next steps. And those of you who've never been through a rector search before may be shocked at the length and detail of the process. <laughs> and it is true, some Fortune 500 companies have shorter search processes than the Episcopal Church. <laughs> what I want you to think about, though, when that thought occurs to you is about the Israelites following Joshua this morning. Imagine asking them, 
how it possibly could have taken 40 years for them to make essentially what was an 11-day journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And what I imagine they would tell you is that a lot needed to happen before they were ready. They didn't know it at the time, but God did. They needed to be able to go from eating manna, which was awesome in the wilderness when they were hungry, to eating the fruit of the new land, which tasted different, but was nourishing all the same. It won't take 40 years, but it'll take the time it takes. And God is in the transformation business. It'll just happen as it has before. Meanwhile, though, the local church is still the hope of the world. May God bless you in your work. Amen.